6 to 7 p.m. Sport on with Tabiso Musia. Thank you, uh, Greg, and uh, very good evening, and thank you for staying with us on SAFM and for joining us on SAFM uh, Spot On. Uh, Tabiso Mosia is me. It is Flashback Friday. It's an early start, always on a Friday between 6 and 7. And what we like to do on a Friday is we like to look back at historic moments in South African sport or have conversations with our sporting heroes of the past. And um, uh, tonight, uh, it's going to be a different one uh, because we want to uh, pay tribute to the late uh, James Moll. So it's going to be an emotional show uh, because as i said we like to celebrate our sporting icons on a friday and we were due to be hosting actually uh, the late james small now last friday uh, but little did we know that he would meet his untimely death this past wednesday after suffering a heart attack at the age of 50 uh, the day before our interview last friday on the thursday he asked us uh, to move the interview to this week friday because he had some traveling that he needed to do and uh, so then we had set up the interview for him uh, for this friday but as i said said um he he is he, he met his untimely death and the last message that he sent to us actually i've got it it says i'm flying to cape town tomorrow at 7 30 so i won't be able to make that interview please give me a call on monday so that we can arrange again for next week so we want to continue the conversation that we're going to have uh, it will be without james mall today uh, but it will uh, definitely he's definitely uh, with us and it will be about uh, james mall so we're going to speak to a few players that played with him we're going to speak to people that came uh, uh, in contact or, 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 or met uh, James Mall in their parts and of course he played 47 tests for South Africa between 92 and 97 he scored 20 tries in those test matches he's uh, widely remembered for being part of that 1995 World Cup winning squad on home soil as the man that uh, was part of that plan to mark John Alomu uh, who never scored against uh, the spring box so we will remember uh, James Mall as a rugby player he had his troubles also as a human being and as a man and I'm sure some of our guests were I'll touch on that and uh, we'll speak, as I said, to a number of his uh, teammates. If you want to share any memories about James Mall, please feel free to call us. Our lines are open 0891-104-207 or you can send us voice notes on WhatsApp on 0614104107 and also our SMS line is 41391. The lines are open throughout the show. And before we get into our James Mall tribute, let me give you the latest with what's happening today at Wimbledon. It is semi-final time and no Novak Djokovic, the top seed, is through to the final. He won in four sets against Roberto Batista Agu, winning their 6-2, 4-6, 6-3 and 6-2. And now it is the sequel of the greatest match in history. It is Rafael Nadal up against Roger Federer and Federer is up 4-3 in the first set there. It looks like it is going with serve. Um, if yeah, It looks like it's going with serve there between Nadal and Federer. So we'll keep you updated. And our Spa Proteas netball team is about to take to court, uh, onto the court for their opening match of the of the Netball World Cup in Liverpool. They play against Trinidad and Tobago, so we'll keep you outda- updated throughout the show. Zanzi's Sporting Milestones, Moments and Stories. Flashback Fridays with Tabiso Musea. And let's now look back at the life and times of James Small, and we are joined on the line by a former teammate, uh, the legendary Henny LaRue is uh, with us on SAFM. Henny, good evening, and thank you very much for finding time again to speak to us on SAFM, especially during this difficult period. Thank you, Tobisha. Yeah, it's, uh, it is difficult, uh, but thank you for the opportunity. 
Thank you. And, and, and I'm sure it came as a shock, Henny, just like it did to everybody. I mean, 50 years is fairly, is, is, is fairly young. Uh, where were you when you had the news and what was your initial reaction that James is no more? Yeah, look, uh, uh, I was at the office and uh, when it came through, I, I was I was very, very surprised. I you know, needed to kind of take a double check on it because, yeah, as you say, he was still young. You don't expect people to move on from heart attack at 50. Um, but unfortunately, you know, that uh, there were another two calls that confirmed that. So, uh, you know, that was that was the state of it. And uh, uh, we were all, you know, a little surprised and, and, and very much devastated at, uh, at, the, at, the, at the very sad news. And I know you guys, as a, as, a, as the 1995 World Cup winning group, you have that WhatsApp group. Uh, the players are there. I mean, how, how was the reaction from the guys, and how's it been through the throughout the week now since we had those news? Yeah, obviously there was a lot of condolences to the family and, and, and the close friends and, and and so forth, and and everyone was was mentioning, you know, uh, what a role that he played, uh, you know, in the team and, and so forth, and. Uh, you know, he, he was just a unique individual and, and we had great appreciation for his contribution and, and, and for what he meant to the team. Yeah. And before we talk about him as a player, just from your side, what kind of a person was James Small, Henny? You know, I remember James uh, more as a as as an individual... Uh, who, who always had time for people and, and, and enjoyed interaction, uh, interacting with people, from particularly young kids and so forth. He'd always have the time to, to sign autographs and, 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 and touch base with them and so forth. And uh, look, he, he despised flying, but he loved being in, in countries and, and, and understanding and, and meeting people of different cultures and so forth. So. Um, you know, the actual traveling was, was a nightmare to him. He, he, he tried to avoid planes wherever he, he could. If he could drive uh, six hours, he'd rather drive than fly an hour. You know, that was, that was James. But oh. yeah, I mean, you know, James had a great following of, of supporters and, and, and people who, who loved him dearly. Yeah. And do you remember the, the first time you, you came across him or you met him? Yeah, look, we, we we played together at, at Transvaal and, um, you know, he, he was a, a, a very passionate and committed individual. He he would give everything for his teammates and, uh, uh, you know, for the jersey he played in. And uh, he was a emotional individual and uh, he was uh, just a typical, you know, well-put-together um, and and let's call it a, a sportsman who who's at a at a at a temper to to share with his passion, you know. And uh, uh, he was one of those guys that uh, you 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 admired in terms of of his commitment. Yeah. And and let's just refresh our memories. And we've got some clips of uh, James Mall that we've pulled out. Let's listen to some of his best mom- moments on the field of play. And if you can just uh, stay with us. James Small. Look at this. There's uh, Philippe Salah giving chase. And James Small just showing that he has the pace to get away from him. Salah with a desperate drive. But Small had read the play extremely well. And against all the odds, because the French had had all the territorial advantage. 
What a moment for the young man. Schmidt goes on, the drive on there by the big lad. And it's going to be a try, I think, for Strauss, who is pretty near a straight and went driving on. There's a real chance further out for Olivier. It's going to be a lovely try for Small. A magnificent try for Small. And believe it or not, he's on the wrong wing. He was on the wrong wing. That'll be well worth seeing again. What a start for South Africa. Putting himself offside, and the Africans have the option of the scrum back where the ball was kicked from. Now, blindside move. The clear, great strength, small, wonderful try. What a terrific try by the Springboks, exploiting the short side, and they caught Australia napping. Dupree, honey ball. Little dummy run by Andre Barnard and it opened it up for Honeyball. This is a great, a great reply by Natal and there's no stopping that man, Small. Then Garvey's in the back line, did well to get it away to Jeremy Thompson. Now a chance for Teichman who unloads to Small brilliantly. Well done, Gary Teichman. Chad <laughs> <James> Small, <laughs> large smile on his face as he pulls a David Campisi. This is Rousseau, Muir the centre. That was Rousseau, the left wing in there as a standoff half. Swanepoel once again. This is Rousseau again as the standoff. There he goes, this great big fellow. And it could be a try for James Small. And that equals the South African record of tries. James Small, a brilliant score. His 19th try for South Africa. And it equals Donny Herber's record of tries in internationals. And he did hold the South African record until uh, Jos van der Westhuizen uh, uh, broke it there, James Small. Those are some of the clips we were able to pull out from our SABC archives. Henny, just for those, the young ones especially, who've never seen James play, uh, how would you describe him uh, as a wing? He played on the wing. What qualities would you say he possessed and that made him uh, so good or stand out? Yeah, look, I think James was was extremely quick uh, off the mark, very, very competitive uh, by nature, you know, someone who who can who could create tries, but uh, you know, most importantly, you could finish. And uh, uh, you know, so he's very well rounded. He could kick well. Um, his judgment in terms of passing and, and 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 when to keep the ball and so forth was was of the highest level. So he he just had all the attributes to to be the success that he was on the field. And add that to the strong character that you mentioned earlier on. Do we still have players with that same character as as, as James in the modern game? Yeah, look, I think things have moved on a lot. There was probably a lot of passion in, in, in the old days. Things tend to be a little bit more money-orientated today. But uh, I'm sure that, that we've got uh, similar characters in our team teams today and, and the commitment levels there. I think once you put the green and gold over the shoulders, most of the other things, um, you know, become insignificant because, uh, you know, as... There is no one that would be more passionate uh, about putting on a green and gold jersey than than James Small was. You know, he was he was absolutely committed and and played with everything he had for for that jersey. And a lot of people remember him, obviously, for that successful 1995 Rugby World Cup campaign. What what would you say he offered to the team in that in that successful campaign? 
Well, I think James, to a large degree, is someone that you could never underestimate and, and, and someone you could never keep... You had to keep your eye on him because he just had that ability... Uh, and a turn of speed to make a difference, and, and as I said, you know, either create uh, a try or, or, or definitely finish it. So, um, you, you know, from from a tactical point of view, our, our back three, um, you know, with Chester and Andre Hubert and James, it was very difficult for people to find weaknesses because they were all very well-rounded players, and uh, as a result of that, you know, it made it difficult for. For, for teams we played against to determine a, a typical game plan to try and exploit a weakness. And, uh, you know, that would be the, a message to, to any other aspiring player wanting to play in the green, green and gold is to, is to really practice in, in those areas that, uh, that you may be lacking to ensure that, that you don't have uh, glaring weaknesses. Yeah, and obviously he was on the op- he was he, he was at right wing here to Mark John Alomu. Everybody talks about that. Was it a guy assigned to Mark jo- John Alomu, or was it a team a, a team effort? And would he have been the guy that you want on the opposite side of John Alomu? Yeah, well, it's quite interesting. We, we we changed after you know England wa- got walked all over by My cat. by Jonah Lomo. We we sat and, and we devised a, a defence strategy specifically, and we had it changed the week before. And um, you know we went to we went to James and we said, look, we we think we should be tackling from outside in. And uh, he had a very good friend, uh, Trigger Mahler, and uh, he said, look, he'd like to just chat to him first. And um, he, he came back and obviously did extremely well and, and uh, from his point of view, did everything that was required in that test match to, to ensure that, uh, you know, Jonah didn't slip through. Mm. And, and as we wrap up now, talking about the team of 95, what made that team so special considering what was going on around the country politically at the time? I think it's self-belief. I think it's the commitment to the team. I think it's uh, individuals who were extremely strong of character. Um, you know, you, uh, if I go through that side, uh, you know, if they had to ask the question, you know, lose your arm or lose the test match, they'd say lose your arm. Mm. And, and and that was just the nature of and the strength of character that surfaced within that team. Uh, there, there was just no one was going to leave anything uh, to question. It was just an absolute uh, commitment from em- every single player uh, to to play, um, you know, beyond their their capabilities to to try and ensure we we brought back the cup. And and just finally, I mean, years later, and have you as part of that team realized the significance or the magnitude of what you achieved at the time? And and would you say it defined your career and your life after that? Well, I, I think in in a lot of ways, you know, we were extremely privileged and blessed to have been given that opportunity, and the success that came from that, you know, is lingering. And I think that is possibly as a result of of the sex success that that there's still uh, recognition that flows, and, and and obviously all the players are extremely grateful for that. And uh, uh, you know, the the divine, defining aspect is is really where we are now in the country, and. And sadly, you know, we seem to be regressing in terms of 
of not the diversity but but the unity that we'd like to see within the country. We'd see a lot more camaraderie that you do find in sport. We'd like to see people um, you know, being more understanding, more accommodating, and, and, and less divisive. So, uh, you know, that's that's the one sad aspect over the last couple of years that have started unfolding. And we we as a country need to start finding ways to 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 ignite the ability to stand together again and, and find common goals and find common common unity. And before we let you go, Henny, I just want to play a comment that we got from Joel Stransky uh, before the show. He also paid a tribute to James Small, but unfortunately he couldn't join us alive, but he was able to give us uh, some of his time. James, as a, as a human being, had a real aura about him, a real um, you know, buzz, a real level of energy, and, and you could tell immediately he was properly charismatic in the way he walked and talked and the way he went about life. He was obviously a little bit of a rough diamond at times, and... Uh, and a complex character, but boy, he had a big heart. And, you know, that fiercely competitive nature of him, of his, was, was apparent from, from day one, from when you see him, from when you meet him, from when you play against him, and from when you have him as a teammate. The fierce competitive nature. But James was a proper character. You know, he was iconic in, in, in life as, as well as in the game of rugby. I'm, I'm not sure there are characters like, like him around who, um, who wear their hearts on, on their sleeve as bravely and courageously as he did. And, you know, stood up and, and, and had his faults, but overcame them and, and tried to set such a good example for the children. I, I think it's a very good question. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure there are many characters out there just like James Small. He, he was the first to admit that that bad boy reputation had come his way for a reason. You know, so we've, we've lost, uh, you know, much more than, than, than just a rugby man. You know, for us as the 95 squad, we've, we've lost a brother, we've lost a teammate, a colleague. We've, you know, I think it's a terribly sad loss. He was 50 years old. You know, it's, um, so it's, it's hard to believe. It's, it's almost hard to believe that he's gone. He's, you know, he was one of those larger-than-life characters, you know, as I said earlier, hard and tough and combative at times. And think about how he stood up and faced John Alomir and, and took him on time after time after time. It's, uh, it's almost impossible to believe that he's gone. But I saw him at breakfast a couple of weeks ago in Parkhurst, and we had a bit of a chat, and then his food arrived. And, and what he said to me was quite amusing, because he, he said to me, you know, through all my endurance sports, he said to me, a couple of months ago, he said, you look thin, you look gorgeous, you don't look well. And uh, when I saw him on, on a couple of weeks ago on the Sunday, he said to me, oh, you're looking much better. He said, you, you're looking healthier. I said, look, I still weigh the same. He said, yeah, but your face is pulled out. And, and you know, for, for me, in some ways, I thought, geez, I've put on weight. That's not good. That's almost an insult. But but he really meant, meant it with a, with a big heart. You know, he, he was very concerned about those around him, about those he cared for. And he went to, you know, said to me, I was looking healthy, you know, in retrospect, it was a great compliment. And, and for me, that is the way I'll remember him, for his, his big heart, his, uh, his energy, and, and the friendship we shared. And thanks for that, uh, to Joel Stransky. That's what I wanted to ask, Any, How would you like uh, James to be remembered? Yeah, I think Joel was, was pretty much, uh, you know, on the button with it all. Um, you know, James was a character. He, he in certain instances, was a bit of a rebel. But, you know, that was James, and, and you grew to love him for that. Uh, he had a great following. He had a lot of people who loved him for what he was. He was unique. He was different. You know, he was, uh, you know, the John McEnroe of, of, of rugby in South Africa in some ways, you know. So, um He'd, he'd have his own unique way of, of, of wanting to do things and, uh, uh, you know, you, you almost expect that to some degree from, from someone who is as talented as, as what he was. So, uh, 
uh, you know, absolutely, he he was uh, a character, and, and his passion and, and uh, drive for success, and and his team was was the ultimate for him. Okay, awesome stuff. Uh, Henny, thank you very much for finding the time to speak to us about uh, James Small. Lots of positive reaction on Twitter. People very happy uh, to hear from you. Somebody wants to know, where's Yapa Mulder? Because he was always next to you. <laughs> no, I'm sure he's around in Joburg somewhere and uh, probably also having a glass. I'm just enjoying uh, uh, the send-off. And, and, and James would, would want it no other other way. You know, he'd, he'd want to leave... Uh, Leave something behind, and and uh, he did do that. He's, he's he's left a real legacy. Yeah, and and as 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 the ninety five group, do you have anything planned? Are you still discussing about uh, talking about that? Yes, we do. We we try and get together every every year around about the twenty fourth. That's quite a unique date for us, and. Uh, uh, so we either have a dinner uh, down in Cape Town or Johannesburg, or, or, or if we do uh, manage to arrange it, get together over a weekend somewhere, and uh, you know, share some some beverages and and and, and have some laughs. Yeah. Okay, great stuff, Vanilla Once again, a pleasure to talk to you, sir, on SAFM Springbok Legend, South African sports legend, Henny uh, Leroux. Uh, your calls are more than welcome if you also want to share some memories of uh, James Small, uh, 0891 That's our studio number. You can SMS us on 41391. We also take voice notes on WhatsApp on 061-4104-107. For those that are on social media like Nazim Khrodbom, we are using the hashtag SAFM Sports on and Nazim says you are really bringing us memories of James Small it is said to lose him at such a young age uh, we're gonna hear from uh, Mark Andrews up next we're also gonna hear from uh, some legendary commentators also about uh, James Small Peter Patella, Mr. Peter Patella is gonna talk to us also Hashtag SAFM Sport On so before we uh, go to the legendary Peter Patella, let's hear from Mark Andrews uh, about his memories of uh, James Small. James Small, the bad boy of South African rugby, the good guy, um, the naughty one. I think he was a bit of all of those. But what he really was was passionate. Uh, James had a huge passion for the game. He had a huge passion for his friends. And he had a huge passion for the fans, especially children. Whenever we had finished training sessions with the Springboks or Natal, and we had um, supporters of kids there especially, James would always stand until the last child a ball or jersey or t-shirt had been signed and autographed. He was also a very difficult guy. Let's not be trying to push. He was, um, because he was emotional, he had always heart in his sleeve. And the teams, I played with James, I think, for about eight or nine years. And he was very emotional. There were times on the side where if he didn't agree with things, he brought it up and he didn't, he didn't drop it. He was very passionate about, about uh, things he felt strongly about. I can remember playing the game, I think it was, against Brumbies in Canberra. And on the field, him and Johnny Allen used to have a love-hate relationship. Johnny was on a tell hooker and springback hooker at that stage. And Johnny being a Scotsman, a very fiery Scotsman, um, James has been a bit of a trouble cause at times. We'd had two training sessions where we were working in a new defensive pattern, which meant that from lineouts uh, on defence, Johnny had to stay on the blind side and, and assist the winger with defence. And John got all excited that it had a move on the back, and John went charging 
on the back. And then when they came back, there was no hook to their help in the defensive line. And James almost got exposed. So James was shouting at Johnny Allen and calling him doff and stupid and calling stick to a game plan and calling him member. And Johnny Allen chased him on the field during the game. But obviously he couldn't chase him very far because he'd never caught him. and He would have made a fool of himself. So anyway, they went down, had a scrum, but it was halftime. He went to the backside of change rooms and then he went back on the field again. And the ref was a wider brother will sort of start the game. And then uh, to guys, Sharks, you one play short. He's been trying to work out who was in the field. And it was James Small. James had decided he wasn't going to play as a lunatic who wanted to beat him up. So he took his tracksuit, put it on, and went sat in the grandstand like one of the supporters. So that is uh, Mark Andrews then, a former teammate, obviously, of uh, James Small, remembering uh, James Small and uh, some wonderful uh, memories uh, that he has. Let me introduce now, firstly, uh, the legendary Mr. Peter Patella, legendary commentator. We've had him on this show before, and uh, he joins us on the line now just to share some memories of uh, James Small. Uh, Mr. Patella, good evening, and thank you very much for joining us on SAFM, sir. James Small, firstly, Mr. Pakela, what's the first thing that comes to mind when I say to you, James Small? Yeah, uh, James Small, uh, I remember him as a, a winger, right winger, who was quite quick. And the only thing he knew was to go for the line. And mm-hmm. he was quite pacey. If he goes past the player, we'll never catch him. So uh, that's the type of man he was. Now, the, the World Cup, the, uh, I watched him in the World Cup in 1995. What a game that was. You know, a game that was won by the boot. No side could cross the line of the other side. So it was won by the boot. It was a tough game. And a, a small was, James Small was given quite a huge assignment to take mm. care of the huge John Alomo. John Alomo was the scoring machine of the All Blacks. So, and he was big and quite pacey. So he had to take care of that big man. That he did... You know, with, with flying colors. He succeeded there with flying colors. Jonah Lomo was always the box up. And the box, on that day, they were playing as a unit. Jonah Lomo didn't get enough ground to move around. No space. There was no space. And uh, James Small was the man who was assigned to look after that man because he was playing on the right wing. And Jonah Lomo was playing left wing for the All Blacks. So they could, he couldn't go through him. So, and, that's, and that's, the that, that's, yes. story. that's the story. That's the story I've got about him. And the box on that day, let me, uh, the box on that day, they were playing as if uh, their lives depended on succeeding in that game. And they were supported by a huge 60,000 crowd, South Africans, who were cheering for them. And they didn't disappoint them. They played as a real team there. And is James Small the guy that you would have had on the wing anyway to come up against Jonah Lomo? Because when we spoke to Eni Leroux, he spoke to us about the plan that they have after he trampled all over our poor Mike Cat in the, in, in the earlier game. That's right. Well, uh, James Small, he, 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 was, he was not a big man. He was a small man compared to Jonah Lomo. But he had a big heart. He had a big, big heart, a fighter. 
He was quite a tough guy. And uh, Jonah Lomo didn't get the chance of running over, over Small, James Small, as he did over Michael Kett. And just looking at, 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 at that team, uh, while we have you on the line, Peter Patrella, for you, what made that 1995 Rugby World Cup team uh, so special? Considering, as I asked any, what was going on around the country at the moment, considering that it was a first uh, inter- international tournament uh, since readmission of for that team, and there were expectations also, and they faced the mighty All Blacks in the final. The people will talk about the, the Madiba Magic. Madiba mm. was there to say to the boys, come on, get on, you can do it. And they did. And they played, they played, I would say, for the new democracy of ours. They played for it. To prove that South Africa was not a, a, a walkover, we, we had players, good players. And as I mentioned, the crowd that was there shouting, shouting for the, the Springboks also Held to carry to carry the box through. Uh, they were all tackling. If you watch that game, fortunately I just watched it. Was it yesterday? I, I watched that game again. Chivis. Then I said, "What a tough game that was!" And the, these these guys, the way they played, they were saying, "No, South Africa, you are all here supporting us. There's no way we're going to let you down." And that they did. I think that's what Dagamasiya. Uh, that's what carried the box through. To know that South Africa, all of South Africa is behind them. In fact, before even the match, they knew that South Africa was a buzz with all the shout, shout, we want that trophy to be stay in South Africa. Those who were not around at the time, Mr. Peter Patella, I mean, who were some of the heroes of that World Cup squad? Was James Small one of those guys that the kids would meet, ask for autograph or, or get photos with him? Or were they all heroes? Were, they, were there some individuals that stood out more than the others? There were some other guys. There were some other guys who really played their hearts out. As, as I've just mentioned, you know, oh, almost the whole of that team. You know, the other guy that I, I, I would mention is, is uh, Chester Williams. Chester Williams around, ra- running uh, down the left wing. And he was the only, I think the only black man in the side. You know, he, he didn't disappoint there. You know, the people, the black people were not so much into rugby as it is today to see people like Chester Williams would say, ah, oh, gee, we, we can also play this game. Now, as you can see today, what a lot of black people we've got on the South African rugby fields and the way they are pe- performing. Well, uh, those are the people that you would go to. And of course, and of course, Joel Stransky. Joel Stransky with that uh, drop goal. Drop goal, mm. uh, Kicking it from a difficult angle, it was on the right-hand side of the field. Being a right-footed man, that was a difficult angle for him. But he was able to put it through. From then, South Africa said, no, we've got it, but we still have some minutes to play after that drop goal. So, Joel Sansky, with that drop goal, I'm sure he'll be remembered forever and ever. And for you, how would you like James Mall to be remembered? James Wall is a tough man, a tough man who, who, who would give a, no chance to a man. He's, he was prepared to stand in front of his man, as he did to John Alomo. Well, John Stransky, John Stransky and James Small, 
they played it to get, to play together, understanding each other. Small may not have been that small, but he did a wonderful job. South Africa will remember him as a man who has been bold, and he did these things as a human being. I was not close to those. I would just read about those things that he, he was a man who had his mind of a mind of his own, but he did job for South Africa. Thank you very much, Mr. Peter Patkala. The next guest, we're actually going to ask him more about James Small as a man and get his thoughts. I don't know if Peter Patkala is still there. Are you still there? Yes. Yeah. Oh, Dumila. Ah, you mean Dumila. Dumila is a Johannesburg man. He must be having lots of gold. I've been in this area for a long time. Hello, Dumza. Hi, Dumza. How are you? Good day, Dumza. That's another show on its own. Thank you very much, Mr. Patella, for joining us. We're going to speak to another legend, Dumila Mateza, up next. Flashback Fridays Flashback Fridays on SAFM Still remembering uh, the late James Small, we're going to speak to Mr. Dumila Mateza next. And if you are wondering where he's been, you just need to get on Twitter and follow Dumila Mateza on Twitter. That man has an opinion on every single thing and you won't miss a thing. And we're going to speak to him now, but I want to play another clip that we've pulled out from our SABC archives of the late James Small. James Dalton, Fakili Paula, Van Vestesen, Stransky, Gwebis Visa, 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 Mekelo Pinto Baza, Tatum Sasa, Fabek Nabaka advantage line, Sabemeli Deli advantage, Neltasha, Pumana Juas, Van Vestesen, Chase Direction, Franco Pinar, Ruben Kruger, Kruger, Napaka to Nika, Nautrova, Pesaka, Jappi Melda, Jack Wifir, Kapaka to Nika, James Ball, And Sekile, Sompempe, Uzaniko, I penalty try. Tackle by James Small, Rubana, Gareth Jones, James Small, Uzaniko, try, and Tlekunene, Gilkaw, Sompempe, Mzana, Joel Dumer, Ebelindele, Advantage. Uncle D, do you remember this game, Gabi? Well, I don't know which one of the, of the games that I did and rugby that one is. But there was a, a rubber, sounds like, very much like the match down in PE, South Africa versus Canada. Mm, you've done so many Springbok games, I'm sure that's why uh, you can not remember. But we are remembering uh, James Small here. And a lot's been said about his life on and off the field, uh, Mr. Dumile Mateza. But firstly, from your point of view, how would you like James Small to be remembered? Well, I'd like James Small to remember as James Small. He sounded very much when he talked to him like somebody who grew up in the ghetto. He was a raw man, didn't go to a, highly, to a school that is known for rugby, and he landed up with the Transvaal then under Louis Late. And I, I do not know whether at those, those days, he also played fullback, I think, because mm. in the final against the All Blacks, Juba, the coordinator, 
Barker's 49. Juba was injured. He had a hand injury. And they worked on his hand injury, and he had to be supported at fullback. And James Wall was given oh. that task too, besides having to look after John Halom. He was also going to be given a task, help Juba at the back. And that's one of the things he, he had to do in that match. If I remember, there was a time when Andre Hubert played with a, with a bandage on his hand. Was that during exactly. the time? That was the match. That was because he got injured in one match. I think it was a match against Canada in Port mm. Elizabeth at uh, the old Booty Rasmus Stadium. And in that match, a fight ensued somewhere in the corner on the far side mm. of the field. And uh, James Small is never, was never invited to get involved in a fight. <laughs> he would always be there. And James Small was there, but the person who got the, ro- the, 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 the wrong end of the stick from the referees was James Dalton, who was also yes. never invited in the yes. fight. But James Small always was in the fight. I remember the match, I think they were, they were playing uh, Scotland down in, uh, in, in the UK. He was sent off by the same referee who refereed the final between South Africa and uh, and the All Blacks in 1995 was sent off, becoming the first Springbok to be sent off. And uh, he, he was such a player with with such energy. You know, remember when we played France in a match in Durban? It was raining cats and dogs, and uh, French many people believe must have scored a goal, a try. But James Small threw himself in the way of this French man who was beginning to stretch his hand to place the ball on the other side of the white line. And uh, that, that saved a certain try and would have lost that wow. match. And that was the kind of person James Small was. You mentioned that um, he, he didn't need an invitation to get into a fight. He was labeled the bad boy of South African rugby. Is that a label that he accepted? Well, he actually, uh, he talks, uh, I read stories over the week, during the week, and uh, he talks about the fact that he received a call. No, not everybody gets a call from Madiba. Yes, You yes. got a call from Madiba, and Madiba spoke to him. And I think earlier, you, uh, I'll go to the story, Madiba spoke to him, and then he decided, let me concentrate on my rugby, make my name in rugby, because I probably have nothing else to fall back on after this rugby. And that's what he did. He concentrated in his rugby, played very well for the Transvaal, went down to play for the Sharks in Durban, and finished his rugby, I think, for Western Province. And and you mentioned that phone call about Madiba because it's it's come out now. Even Zelda Lechranche has spoken about it. That actually there was a time uh, that uh, James Small was suicidal, and uh, Nelson Mandela then gave him a call and told him to keep his head up. And he says that call changed his life, and he was never the same after that. And in later interviews, actually James Small said it was more of an attention-seeking um, a stunt that he was trying to pull up to, to to pull there. He didn't really believe that it would take his life, but he got the attention. And with that uh, taken into account, Mister. Dumila Mateza, he was clearly a troubled man off the field of play. So when we talk about James Small now, when we remember James Small, uh, how much of that do we factor in, 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 into James Small as a, as a human being? Or do we look at James Small as an outstanding rugby player and, 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 and ignore what, what, what happened off the field? Well, uh, there's a saying, uh, an old adage that says, you don't talk ill of, uh, of the dead. 
Therefore, I will talk only of James Small, the rugby player, the, the hero of 1995. The hero graced our field. The hero did everything that we expect from a rugby player. And um, I don't think it's necessary now to be going back and and, and, and talk about the bed. Full many a flower is born to, 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 to blush unseen and waste the sweetness in the desert. Hey, uh, somebody said that, and I don't want that. Let me, let's speak about James Moore. Let's remember James Moore as a player who represented his country, a player who gave everything for his country, a player who respected the green and gold as all other players before him. Mm. What was interesting in some of the interviews uh, uh, that I've read of him this week was that he actually says that he always felt he had a point to prove on the rugby field, especially because he had an English name and, and, and the Afrikaner guys probably didn't think that he was as good as he was made out to be. Is that something that was common on the rugby field? Because I remember when we had Pessy Montgomery the other day, he also <laughs> said most of his boos came when he went to the Bulls when he was at Loftus. That's when they booed him. Well, yes. And uh, those days, uh, I think earlier you asked... Uh, Peter Patela, what made that team in 1995 uh, uh, separate? That team, there was a triumvirate of men who were responsible for that team. And that triumvirate was Chris, uh, Chris Christie, was uh, Morley Duplessis, and Edward Griffith. And those three guys actually prepared that team mentally, politically, and otherwise. They must understand they are playing for all South Africa. They are not playing, only playing for those people who were following rugby at the time. Big following of rugby, obviously, as we have said, was the Afrikaner community. And rugby was very much an Afrikaner game. And if you follow the stories around how Springbok captains were chosen in the past, they had to have been a member of the, uh, the, 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 the Reiterwach which was the junior Afrikaner Bruderbond. You have to start there and go the other way. And many a time, uh, English players did not feel comfortable in that situation because the coaches were Afrikaans, they were speaking Afrikaans. I could remember a coach by the name of Neely Smith, who coached the Springbok team in 1981 in, in New Zealand, would, would not play Errol Tobias at fly half because a fly half was a bad that was seen as an Afrikaner best. And that's what these players had to, had, to, had to endure. And that is why James Small, as I said to you earlier, let me go back to something I said earlier. James Small didn't come from a big school, didn't come from a JP, didn't come from a King Edward, didn't come from uh, Afis. Therefore, he had to prove a point. He had points to prove because he didn't come from those schools. Because those schools... Old Grey and Grey College and others, and Paul Gymnasium, they are sure their players will get into the Springbok team if they play well. You just joined us. We are remembering James Small, and we are remembering James Small with Dumila Mateza. Now we also spoke to Mr. Peter Patella, as well as Henny Leroux, a former teammate, of course, of James Small that was, uh, that was part of that successful 1995. Um, Uncle D, you also mentioned his provincial career, and a lot of people, when they talk James Small, uh, talk about his Springbok career. Obviously, what happened with the 1995 World Cup and the fact that he was part of the first Springbok team to play a test since readmission. But how was his provincial career? His provincial career flourished. You don't go and play from Transvaal. You go and play for the Sharks. The Sharks then were just coming up and becoming a force to be reckoned. You must remember, only in 1990, did the Sharks as Natal eat Northern Transvaal, the Bulls, 
Eploftus Fersfeld with Nath Bota on the field to win the Curry Cup. And then they became, they, they begin, began to climb the ranks of good rugby players in that province. And he went to play for the Sharks. From the Sharks, nobody just walks into the Western Province team. He went to the Western Province and played for Western Province. And he had to prove a point because Western Province is known to have delivered to South Africa some of the best wingers, some of the best uh, backline players. They were known as a backline team. Uh, if you think of people like Michael Duplessis, or all the Duplessis, in fact, <laughs> who played for <laughs> the, the the Western Province. Therefore, he had to prove a point. He had to prove himself still even then, because you don't just walk into those teams and, and gather the jersey and go and play. You've got to prove yourself. And that is what he had to do all his life. He had to prove himself. I'm told at the time of his death, he was beginning to become a coach. He was helping with coaching at uh, NW, NWU, at the North, Northwest University in, mm. in Portestrum. And uh, he, he, still, he, try, he was trying to get an acceptance for him to go and coach at the Northwest University, which is the bedrock of Africana rugby, where Johan Klaassen uh, was, where Johan Klaassen, who for many years was the manager of the Springbok team and a coach of the Springbok team and the Springbok himself, was nurtured. And he went to coach there. Trying, still trying to get this acceptance into rugby that he knows what he's doing. And on Twitter, Zulicha says the skyline in Joburg, Cape Town, Deben was littered with billboards featuring Chester Williams. On the, on the day the atmosphere at Ellis Park was electric, Jonah Lomu had run over the English in the semis. The world didn't believe anybody could contain him, and James Small did the job. And I think that's where we're going to end our conversation about uh, James uh, Small. And um, b- before I end that, actually, Uncle D, I wanted to find out, I mean, at the time uh, when you were commentating rugby, as the black broadcasters covering rugby, how were you received? Well, I was received uh, with, uh, with, with, at some places I was received uh, badly. I did get the bad side of rugby. I remember I was doing commentary at Newlands and the Western Province Rugby League, which was a colored team, was playing in an earlier match uh, against uh, some other province or some other country. And that is actually from that match that a guy like Carl Berger, Carl Berger Jr.'s father, he was playing for the Western Province League at mm. the time, which is the colored team in the Western Cape. He was selected out of that match into the Springbok team. I remember coming mm. to what, I remember they, it was raining and had an umbrella, and this umbrella was obscuring the view of some judge. I can't remember the judge. And that judge reported me to the SABC. And as, mm. as, 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 as it was happened, I, I, I got slept over, the, over, the, over, over my fingers for that because I always were on the wrong side of the law at the SABC. And this judge added to my uh, misfortune. Why and always? In many other places, I went to Loftus, for instance. I was told many a time, this is not, this is soccer, this is Orlando. I had to endure those kind of things. And that's what, until today, that, People accepted that black people know rugby. That probably, as I said in my interview before in 1995, when I spoke to some Afrikaner and to the BBC, I said, I think black people in South Africa played rugby before the Afrikaners played rugby. 
<laughs> they just need to document those stories. Actually, it was two years ago when I was at Loftus and they said to me, hey, CN, Sundowns is not playing today. You had the wrong match. <laughs> so I know exactly what, you, what, what you're talking about. I wanna, I've got three minutes left. I want to bring our Twitter debate to SAFM Radio. I'm going to take a quick break and I want to bring that. I don't want to call it an argument. I want, I want you to, to have your say here in the debate that we were having this morning to Mila Matez. Zanzi's sporting milestones, moments, and stories. Flashback Fridays with Tabiso Musea. So today, as I usually do, I went on Twitter and I tweeted uh, that I can't wait for Nadal Federer, which is already underway, by the way. And uh, I said that it's a sequel of the greatest match in history, the 2008 uh, Wimbledon final between Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer, with, with, which went to a fifth set, of course, which Nadal won 9-7. And then a certain Dumila Mateza comes back and says, no. No, no, those matchups do not come close to the matches of the 70s of John McEnroe, Bjorn Bonk, Bjorn Bork, uh, coupled with McEnroe's tantrums. Obviously, it was before my time. Do you still stand by that statement, Dumile Matez? Well, I stand by that statement. That was great. We, d- we didn't have the kind of things that helped you. We didn't have the, uh, the, 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 the luxury. They didn't have the luxury of, co- of, of, of saying, I challenged that line. I challenged that ball. That ball was in. That ball was out. They didn't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as a fellow, there's a book here I'm reading about McEnroe, written by a guy who's written a lot about the Olympics. He says, people normally, I've got two books of McEnroe here, which I'm reading. People normally criticize McEnroe, but McEnroe was not a rugby player. He couldn't go into a scrum and hit a guy with a fist without the referee seeing him. He can't do that. Therefore, he had to do those ten trunks that we saw, and that is what made tennis at the time at, the, at Wimbledon. That's what people wanted. You, you had the French Open. You had the French Open was regarded as some you, some tournament. Okay, that's a tournament. But Wimbledon was mm. the tournament, and that's where McEnroe was the star. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Like I said on Twitter, I can never argue with you. You know much better. Before we let you go, there's somebody that wants to speak to you from the Eastern Cape. Is it Nonda? Good evening. Hello? No. Yes. Umatez and was in the eight. Use high school and you were high school. And once we swear Umani Batalala. What's a carrier door? What your Bible seems so difficult. Umsha Jano and the same got David Dobel. Umatez and go to speed up. It goes the nice one there, Nguende, just joining us. Um, I've got 30 minutes left, 30 seconds left. Rather, I wish I had 30 minutes. I'm going to use you as much as I can to Mila Mateza. England, New Zealand, Cricket World Cup final at Lords on Sunday. How do you call it? I didn't call this game. I saw a final between Australia and, and India. And I was shocked. And I've always said, I, I seem to remember saying at the beginning of the tournament, I think New Zealand are going to this tournament as the dark horses. And England has, have worked on their, on, their, on their cricket very much so. They've worked very hard on their cricket. And they, I think England is going to win this match. They have all the firepower. They bowled yesterday. What I sat here and watched the match alone. And the way they were bowling, they were bowling at the wicket. 
all the time. They putting that ball on once as if you remember the old days where they say That's what they were doing yesterday. Great stuff. Mr. Dumila Mateza, always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. And thank you very much for giving us some of your time. And he knows our radio works. He stopped just in time before we go to news. Roger Fedra has won the first set against Rafael Nadal, 7-6. Rafa is 3-1 up in the second there. And at the Netball World Cup, uh, the Proteas are leading 37-24 against Trinidad and Tobago with uh, three minutes left in uh, quarter two. So that's what's happening at the moment. We'll leave it there for now. My name is Tabiso Musia.